Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart to find out what makes them magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always on my quest to save the last unicorn, to fight for the last beam of light, my co-host and friend, Alex of Dandino. Oh, of Dandino. <laughs> You're adding lore to your character. I mean, I figure, cool, I figure, you know, in, spe- in the spirit of things, you know, you got to keep it going. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this, guys, is a bonus pod to the curation. Um, we did the month Pod Goes to Hell. This is our bonus uh, Goes to Hell movie. A kind of outside of the box pick, which I really appreciate. That's why we selected this one. Tonight, we're doing the Ridley Scott joint, Legend. Yes. <laughs> Super fun fantasy film. Uh, this has always been one of my personal favorites. I've watched this movie a lot since I was like I found this very young, and just something about the magic of it spoke directly to me. I what did you th- think, Alex? First thoughts. I have not seen this movie since I think I was like eight or ten years old. Um, I don't know why either, because it. I, I mean, it has all the things that I kind of fucking love about fantasy movies. Uh, it was. A very streamlined, very simple story. It's literally like, oh, Atomic Winter, let's go find the girl to end this thing. Like, it's sort of like a better, more streamlined version of the never-ending story, because that shit is for real never-ending. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, uh, it's just weird. I was struck this time by how... How fairly simple and concise the story is, right? There's not a lot. And I. this is the thing, too. I actually watched the director's cut. I realized that's the only one I had. Oh, so there yeah. were some scenes that I I didn't remember from uh, being a Ute. So I, uh-huh. I was like, all right, some new things to chew on, some new wrinkles that I might have found. Right. So if I mention a scene that you guys don't have, it might be because I was watching the director's cut. Um. To me, though, this movie, more than anything, right, besides being an intro to a very young and non-proactive Tom Cruise. <laughs> See what I did there? See what I did? That was a commercial plug for Well Acme done. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this movie, more than anything to me, it has always been one of my favorite visual movies, right? Right. This, this to me, looks the most like I imagine fairy tales of any movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like it's based on. I mean, I read the Ridley Scott basically read a bunch of Grimm's fairy tales and he's he like wanted to right. make rather than make a adaptation of a fairy tale or like anything like that. He decided he wanted to make an original story based in the spirit of all these fairy tales. And I think it works pretty well. Like, it's interesting for a director to like point out the sort of structure of one medium sometimes doesn't translate to the other so for him to take that structure and like remake it into an original film is actually a really interesting way to do that i I thought that was a really that was a really interesting thing and you don't really get that from ridley scott anymore because mainly he's just interested in making shitty alien movies but what's (laughs) cool is like at that time it was still the 80s he like just got done doing like blade runner so he was really into like reinventing genres and shit like that so like that's the cool thing about the movie is it is like a streamlined narrative, but it's a perfect sort of movie version of a fairy tale. We didn't know anything about yet. Yeah. It's just, it's such a, a wonderful success. It's like an all-star, you know, department movie, right? 
We're yeah. like, the props are fucking phenomenal. The makeup department fucking nails this movie. Yeah. The costumes are just ungodly good. The sets are among my favorite, most beautiful sets I've ever seen. Yeah. They also do this really cool effect early on, which I like, right? So they start us off in darkness at the, you know, the sad, the saddest tree that's ever lived. <laughs> yeah. It's the biggest dead tree of all time, right? And that's the fortress for the evildoers. And they start off with, uh, you know, Tim Curry just doing that baller Prince of Darkness voice. Shadows on my solace. <laughs> Sunlight my destroyer. <laughs> and they do these night cuts, right? Uh, where essentially they have like a huge source light somewhere <laughs> penetrating through the trees. Right. And, and we see these animals kind of at night. We see the dark tree. Hard cut to a princess romping through, you know, a very bright, uh, just, you know, massive amount of light everywhere field. And one of the things they do in this movie constantly, there's almost no scene that doesn't have it, where they just have allergens floating around. <laughs> so yeah. It, it, it's weird, and I don't know what the effect <laughs> is other the- than it It kind of gives it like this dreamlike <laughs> quality, right? I love that you call them allergens. It's not dreamlike I, quality. I mean, it's, it's just, well, there's it, pollen it everywhere. The How the fuck am I right? supposed to yeah, get anywhere? The way it plays with the light is very fascinating and adds a lot of depth <laughs> and whatever. But to me, I was just like, this is an allergy nightmare. Like, I'd never be in these woods. So, would be so before sad. Griffey can do, before Griffey can go on any sort of quest to save the princess in the last unicorn, <laughs> he's got to scarf a couple of a Claritin before he heads out. I got to get my spray. You know, my two squirts each nose. Let's All go right, save I'm the good. princess. Listen, I'll save the princess, but those dust mites are a killer. I will refuse. Yeah, and I. I don't know what, because they, they switch the dust mites with snow and bubbles in different segments. Yeah. But it's always the same effect of, I think, just, it, it it's an extra way to fill the frame. It feels more full, this movie, right? Yeah. It feels bigger and more packed, every single frame to me. I, um, I f- yeah, I feel like that sort of a visual cue is something that people use a lot of the time to avoid the fact, like... Because obviously a lot of this is shot on almost like almost entirely shot on sound stages. So maybe there's a lot of I think that a lot of the time, like allergen, as you would say, like like snow and stuff like that in the <laughs> foreground would be something that I think is supposed to bring more reality to it, even though it's a fantasy. But mainly because it's on a sound stage, everything's clean, nothing's like floating around. So you want something that seems like it's it's got a little life to it. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's it's a really cool visual add to the movie. Yeah, and I don't know that there's like much of a deeper significance, but it, it's so visually memorable to me, and it's it's something that I has always just stuck out in my mind. And they use it a lot, like when we see the the unicorn execution, right? It's flying pink petals. Right. When they do the um the fiddle riddle of death, right? There's bubbles everywhere, so it's yeah. it's just kind of interesting way. Yeah, I mean, that might be the best. The best explanation, right, is just to kind of grunge up these these sets. But it's so beautiful. This whole movie is so beautiful. And then we cut to maybe the most ugly-hearted character who's ever lived in a movie, Princess Lily. Oh, come on. She is such a – this is something I had forgotten. She's a total piece of shit. (laughs) Princess Lily is She frees the unicorn. After she fucking murders its lover – it's her fault. This is right. the thing. All right, so this is how we're introduced, right? She's frolicking, right? She's slumming it. She's run away from the castle. Right. She barges into this lady's house who's a parent, who seemingly is a single parent, by the way. Right. So not what she wants is this lady slumming it, coming in, trying to fucking play with her flowers. She's telling this poor lady, oh, you're so wealthy. 
you know, in a different way than me. Like, you're actually very poor, but you're wealthy of life. <laughs> exactly what poor people love. Hey, thanks, fucking cultural appropriator for coming down here and telling me how wealthy I am. I live oh, in a nice. fucking one-bedroom shack just because I have a hand-carved cuckoo clock. Thanks, bitch. <laughs> but not only that, but then she's kind of like how you – do you ever see these pictures of, like, Instagram models that, you know, like, their boyfriend will kill a shark? Pulling it onto the beach so they can get pictures with it. And oh, shit. yeah, like, for sure. Breaking or like they're bumping into priceless art at the Louvre because they have to get, you know, their their duck lipped picture. She's like one of the first <laughs> horrible Instagram people. So, yeah. So this fucking cultural appropriator running around telling the poor people they're rich, which they're not. She runs off. Right. And then she's got this wood boyfriend, Hood Rat Jack. And this is Tom Cruise's character. Right. And she's kind of leading him on just by like every time she wants something, she's like, hey, I'll sing you a little ditty. Right. I'll sing you a little song, Hood Rat Jack. Get over here. You got a little bit of, Ala- of guy- Aladdin thing going on. <laughs> yeah, very much an Aladdin thing, except without the like genuine, you know, emotional bond. This is very much <laughs> servant and master, which really I was shocked at how big of a piece of shit Lily is. Right. So this sets up kind of the whole the big crux of the movie. Right. So we learn early on the the Prince of Darkness in his opening soliloquy is telling us that. As long as there are, and Jack says this, I think, right? As long yeah. as there's a unicorn, uh, I have it written down somewhere. Uh, the evil can't harm the true of heart, something like that. Right. And so the Prince of Darkness plan, he sends his goblin out, right? His head goblin. He wants to kill the unicorn so that he can forever rule in this darkened realm, right? The last of the light and good will be dead. Right. So Jack, and this is just like so sad, man. Jack's so wanting to get with it that he's like, I'll take you to see the unicorns, right? He's like, I have a surprise for you. I'll take you to the unicorns. This guy's willing to put it all on the line. He knows they're sacred religious animals, right? right? He knows this is not something that should be allowed. But he's like, I trust this girl because I think I want to sleep with her. And she sings me lullabies. Yeah, I got to say, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like double talk here. And like, like uh, later in the movie when, um, when uh the, the the fairy Una tries to like seduce him by like turning into the princess or something, he's like, humans don't work that way. Like, fuck you, yes they do. Are you kidding me? But no, this is he has to do this constantly. His whole movie is trying to like tell women that they're so beautiful and that he's in love with them. And then not doing it. He anything. has to do it to Una, he has to do it to the sea hag. Yeah. He does it with the princess. His his like main move is every time he sees someone, he's like, What's up, girl? <laughs> What's up, girl? It's me, Basic, Red Jack. Basically, this movie is about Tom Cruise learning to Tom Cruise the rest of the world. It's pretty impressive, actually, when you think about it. Yeah, it's the ancestor. Really nice. He's the ancestor of Leonardo DiCaprio's Jack from Titanic. <laughs> this is their move: just running around slumming it with rich women. <laughs> That's it. Good for you. Get it. Yeah. So we. So yeah. So we go to the forest, right? And we see this bull run, and the goblins have been following them. Right. We see the bull run where the two unicorns come out. There's nothing more magical. They're great. Look at the majesty of these two beasts, right? Right. To which my wife says, this is something my wife asks me all the time, and she brought it up again during this movie. Why are they not called unihorns instead of unicorns? (laughs) (laughs) So while I'm distracted, I'm just like, God damn it, Amy. Uh, Princess Lily, the the cultural appropriating Instagram model, is like, I got to go touch these things. And Jack's right. like, what are you doing? You can't touch these things. They're pure. They're good. You can't touch these unihorns. Right. And she's like, I have to. And later we get to, after she touches it, she causes this ruckus, right? And you think the unicorn's going to kill the princess, which if it had, the universe is better off if they murder this princess. That's a pure sign she's evil. Right. Right? But they don't. 
The goblin hits it with a poison dart. The unicorn runs off and all fucking hell breaks loose. She comes back. Tom Cruise, what did you do? This is forbidden. Who says it's forbidden? He's like, everyone knows it's forbidden. It's the rules. I don't care. She doesn't care. She has to get her stank on it. She's got to show her followers that she's with the unicorns. Oh, she's the worst person. The best part, she though. She almost completely causes the downfall of the entire earth into eternal night. Well, she just pretty, because she's an appropriator. Well, she does for quite some time because at, right after that, she also then says, like, listen, if you want to get with me, f- go find this ring, this small trinket I have, and, like, fucking throws it into the water. And she's like, oh, you know what's God. crazy? That happens after she ruins the whole universe. Exactly. I'm like, wait <laughs> so a Jack's, second. Jack's You've like, you ruined, ruined my whole everything. thing. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, and go find this ring. Yeah, Kiss exactly. The ring. He's already like with this. He's already marveled at what a piece of shit she is for doing that. And then she's like, also, if you want to sleep with me, go find this ring. And she like throws it. And I'm like, this is fucked up. It struck me so succinctly that she is a character who so deserves to get wonked. Oh, yeah. Hardcore. You know what I mean? Like she needs to be in the chocolate factory and try to get a selfie with, you know, a gumdrop flower that then chews her up and spits her out. She's such a horrible little child. Terrible Veruca Salt esque child. Very much. But so. yeah, Lily is the fucking worst. I, I had totally because I thought back on her, and this is a weird thing this movie does. It, it's kind of an inversion of a classic um virginal pristine princess that is a yeah. damsel in distress. Right. She is a terrible person who causes the distress, yet still somewhat needs saved. Right. But yeah, they they take away the goodness in her early and often in this movie. To where by the end of the movie, you're kind of like, yeah, just save the unicorn and fuck her. Like, leave her to be. She'll be the queen of darkness. She already is. And then you saw the director's cut, right? Yes. Okay, so the ending also for this movie, for the version of the director's cut, might be one of the most brutal, like, fuck you endings of all time, by the way. It's 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 a reverse Aladdin, which is probably one of my favorite things I've ever seen in a movie. We'll get, <laughs> explain we'll get to it. well when she like basically gets to the end she's like hey like you're cute and all but um i'm gonna go back to the palace and you're some goofy street rat so i'm gonna get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> and tom cruise is like you know what that's fine i'm gonna get out yeah. of here too have fun woods boy <laughs> <laughs> i i yeah this- no she's she's a bad person and she never seems to learn her lesson like even at the end when she tries to make it good it feels very much like she's just like, where am I going to take selfies at if it's always dark? <laughs> yeah. The Ferris Bueller's girlfriend's this. a real dick in this movie. Yeah. That piece of shit, Lily, she liked living deliciously. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you this. I knew you she, were going to bring it up. <laughs> I kept thinking, too. I was like, I want to see the petting zoo in the, the eternal tree of darkness because you know this is where Black Phillip started. <laughs> just the prince of darkness and Black Phillip like, my father doesn't appreciate me enough. Oh. And Black Phillip just, live deliciously, bro. Live deliciously. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. Uh, But yeah, so she causes, this is one of my favorite sequences in the movie, right? Where they they execution the horn off of the thing. What would you call that? A horn slice, Uh, right? It's like a beheading, but they just take the horn. Yeah, they just take the horn. And for some reason, foolishly leave the rest of the body of the thing. You should chop that whole thing up. Yeah. Should man. make mincemeat pies out of that. Isn't unicorn um, blood like unicorn blood's good for you, right? That's what they always say in I movies. I think that's only in Harold Potter. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's Harold but Potter. The, the horn does hold magic, right? We do see that the horn is magical. But no, this is a cool sequence where Tom Cruise is now underwater. He comes up and it's instantly 
a blizzard. You know, the, the river is frozen over. There's the pink shower of petals, snow everywhere. And this is where, for a moment, they try to make Lily seem like an honest person. Where she's like, what have I done? She doesn't care. She goes back to the house, right? She goes back to the poor lady's house. And this is just glossed over. That lady and her child are frozen solid, dead, corpsicles. Yeah. yeah. And she's just like, what have I done? And I don't think she cares at all that she just murdered a baby because she's an appropriator. Right. I think she's just mad that like, oh, now I got to deal with some shit. Yeah. That's the Aww. other problem I have with this is like the atomic winter that it befalls the like the woodland critters and everything. Really uncool. Given like it started happening in me- right before they fucking took that goddamn horn off. Like she is the like darkness is a unwitting accomplice to this stuff. I feel very bad for darkness in this movie. Darkness loves this, though. Darkness is like, this is delicious, man. I'm living deliciously up here. This lady's my dream girl. He's probably following her on her horribly selfish Instagram. See, that's why that's I think she was smitten. That's by. why I think she was so easy for her to just slip into that, uh, you know, the black like Maleficent costume and do that thing. Because she indeed was living deliciously. For There's sure. No that's the mind. thing. Uh, yeah. So we have Eternal Blizzard. We have our little goblin gang running around. Uh, Hood Rat Jack actually just falls asleep in a mound of snow, and then he gets the uh, he gets a crew now. Yeah, right. And I think this might be a director's cut only scene when he first meets his crew. Um, but this is where he meets Gump and some of the dwarves and the fairy, right? Gump, and this is the uh, uh, the fiddle the riddle of death, right? You no, know, that's... where they're so mad at him for what he did. Is this in the normal movie? It's in the normal movie. The fiddle riddle? Because I know that I think the getting the armor and the sword are an additional scene. Yeah, the armor and, and the armor, there's some scenes with the Prince the of Darkness' uh, the, father. The fiddle riddle is definitely part of the original movie, though. Right. So they're so mad at him that they're they're willing to kill Jack unless he answers a riddle. Uh I just love that the wood people they're like, We're looking at Snow Apocalypse, but we still have to follow <laughs> We still have to follow our riddle based law. <laughs> Riddle-based law is probably my favorite law. Let's right? just kill. Let's now, just kill. Whoa, whoa, law. whoa! <laughs> what are we monsters? It's riddle time. That's that. That's how we solve this problem. Yeah, it also had a very Thanos vibe as the bubble started floating around as this man faced his finale. <laughs> it's cool though. I mean, again, it's it's just a visually fun scene. Uh, Gump is kind of creepy little thing with with uh, this hard voice. He's very Isaac. Did you right, know he's the first of the children know that who walk behind the Gump's roots? voice? The the person who did Gump's voice is actually the uh, the woman who's Una, the the fairy. Oh, really? No, I did not know that. Apparently, that would make sense. Apparently, they thought Gump's voice, the the actor's voice, was too German and didn't want it in the in the movie. The producers decided it was going <laughs> to be. I'm like, what's too less German? German more Isaac from Children of the Corn. That's what we're <laughs> looking for in our magical uh, elf. Uh, yeah, so Jack's got a crew now. They're going to go raid the Prince of Darkness. The goblins go back, and they've now captured the mare, uh, the living unicorn, and uh, the princess. And then they're they're going to go raid, right? Um, right? You mentioned it. This is the, the sets of the palace in this are stunning. But I actually forgot. We jumped a really important scene. The sea hag in the swamp, right? Uh, swamp crone. Meg Mucklebones. This is probably one of my favorite moments in the movie. It's one of the ones that stuck with me the absolute most. Yeah. That costume they designed for her is so ghastly. Uh, uh, <laughs> just it, pure absolute nightmare fuel. I love this entire scene. But no, like, I'm, but all of the, all the goblin work in this, like everything 
like from darkness all the way down, like every oh, single piece of creature makeup in this movie is fucking incredible. Like it's so the goblins cool. are all stunning, right? I like the big helmet. I like the pig man. Uh, the the pig butchers at the yeah. end. Uh, darkness himself is just. I mean, that to me is like top five best visual villains in I'm any for, movie. I'm for sure oh. putting the name Meg Mucklebones on the on the chopping block for my wife when we decide uh, about the children <laughs> the, ch- the children names. I'm throwing that out yeah. there. I'm sure it'll get shot down immediately, but nevertheless. Or you're like, if you don't name the kids this, this is what I'll refer to my dingus as for the rest of our, <laughs> our baby-making experiences. Mucklebone! Mucklebones! <laughs> Just like, nope, nope, we don't, nope. we're not having kids anymore. <laughs> Never gonna have, yeah, exactly. That's when we don't procreate. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, but this what is also scene, not though. only, it's great costume work, but it's the fir- another example of Tom Cruise having to placate women. Uh, I don't know. This movie is very hostile to the women, right? Because not only are they bad cultural appropriators, but then they're constantly their weakness is just some guy telling them that they're mildly attractive. (laughs) I don't know why Ridley Scott hates women so much, especially he of Ripley fame. It feels weird. It's truly odd that, yeah, I guess it is one of those things I did not realize the first time i watch it but this time yeah like tom cruise gets out of everything by just like flattering women like well, i think like, when you're young you're like women, oh this must be how how adult life works <laughs> right well for but for like meg mucklebones he like says hey you're really pretty and then literally turns around and fucking chops her head off which is sad i feel bad for her but nevertheless like it's it's just like he spends the entire movie telling people you look great but also, I can't kiss you. Also, we're just friends. Also, there's also the weird fairy scene, right? Where she's like, I'll be anything. Like, she's so desperate yeah. for this dirty, acne face kid right? <laughs> to uh, to kiss her. That she's like, look, I'll even look exactly like the princess. It doesn't even have to be me. Just put one on me. Come on, baby. And I was right. like, oh, my God. So needy. Well, so that was the scene where he was like, uh, that was the scene where he's like, I'm sorry. Humans don't work that way. I'm like, yes, they do. Of course yeah, they do. All humans work that way. Every human being that I know would be totally into the fairy role playing. Yeah, like, it's totally fine. Yeah, just, yeah, just kiss the fairy. Don't, don't be a dick. What? Don't be rude about it, man. Just like kiss her. It's fine. Yeah. Also, it's like you're facing death. Like just kiss her. Your girlfriend's an appropriator her. who just murdered a unicorn. Like she'll she'll forgive you. She'll also, forgive she's you. Only, she's only she's only the girl. She's only in Tom Cruise's mind. Her, her his girlfriend. Because by the end of the director's cut version of the movie, she's like, all right, I'm done. Bye. And she goes off to appropriate another land. Like, it is not cool <laughs> what she does in this film. <laughs> he found the ring and everything. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's exactly. This is, like, this is like if Frodo finally completes his journey and Sam's like, you know what? And flings himself into the lava. Because he's just like, he can't take it anymore. And then Frodo's yeah, left Sam's alone. Just like, you know what? Life. Fuck you too, Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> You are a bitch, and I've always hated you, for sure. Um, yep. Yeah, man. You know what I did notice? And this is something that was in the director's cut, I believe. They added a little more of the Prince of Darkness's father, which was kind of a weird addition to the okay. movie. Because this is the thing. When you watch it originally, he's this large, powerful, you know, Satan-like character. Right. Who seems like he's in charge. In this one, there's there's a little bit of pleading. Right, the father. I've never felt these emotions in so long. Oh, and then the father right. is essentially a bubbling chair. We find out is <laughs> <It's> like uh, 
You got to woo her, son. You got to woo her. Woo her and make her yours. First off, terrible father advice when there's like a mission on the line. Like stop yeah. living deliciously and go murder that goddamn unicorn, <laughs> right? Like there's no need for the black strawberries. Like just get down there and fucking murder. And then you'll right. look a lot better when everyone in the world is a goblin. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> so horrible father advice. And then at the end, because this is the thing I never realized at the end when he's he's grasping, you know, the concrete as he's about to fall out into the void as the light's hitting. And yeah. he goes, Father, protect me. And it, yeah. it makes him seem a little a little more of a fraud in this one than I remembered, which I thought was a cool ad. Because he talks about at one point um, that he influences the mind of men through dreams, right? Dreams are his speciality, where he right. manipulates us and this and that. So kind of his whole... And then he loses a fight to Jack. Like, Jack does a double leg drop kick, like Macho Man style on him, and actually knocks him down at one point. Right. And I was, there's kind of this... <laughs> but adding those things, right, it adds this... Maybe this is all, like, show muscles, right? Like, you wonder, is he actually this gigantic, huge, powerful being who's right. large and in charge? Or is he a whiny prince who's kind of hiding behind these these visual tricks that we see him employ Let's... in the movie? So I actually see, thought it was kind of a cool addition to the mythology of that character, right? More see, than just being this I, huge bruiser. That's something I always thought, though. I don't know if that's just me, but I, I always assumed, like, especially, like, when you have to answer to someone else. Like, if you're ans if you're asking for your father's help or anything like that, like, that's the kind of thing. Like, even as a kid, I remember thinking, like, oh, he's not, like, the end-all, be-all. Like, I feel like if you are physically <laughs> manifesting it, like. You're just like, like, guy, shit. <laughs> Well, like, if you're physically manifesting yourself into that as, like, a spirit of darkness, to me... You think the horns are overcompensation? I do. I think it's a little bit of a... <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's a little bit of a darkness Viagra. I'll be honest. You think you part the little goat bush and not impressive? I mean, I think, he, I think he... <laughs> I think the problem is the darkness is living a little too deliciously, and that's that's why he's not uh, oh, all shit, he can be. Son. Can thou yeah. live too deliciously, though? <laughs> I'm going to have to consult the book of our Lord and Savior, Black Philip, to see if that's the case. <laughs> what if Black Philip's the father? Oh, what? wow. Okay. Now that's now a sequel like... I like. So what Black you're saying Phillip's is like, legend. All right, I, I hooked up with the princess once myself. Now I have this whiny, overcompensating son. <laughs> So what you're saying is, is that legend is the prequel to the Vavitch and in the Vavitch, yes. actually, he's like, I'm done with princesses and fantasy land. I'm just going to get these little southern. I'm just going to get these little settlers and that'll be it. Yeah, because he's like, like the it. settlers have no reason to not kill themselves. Like when I, I like, watch I like the witch, I'm just constantly surprised America exists because you're like, yeah, they sent me back there for one day of living like that. I just bash my head into that log cabin until I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> like the I fact that the pioneers just suffered that shit in their day to day life, like good for you, man. Or pilgrims, pilgrims, they were pilgrims. I, I like that it's not just this show, by the way, but also over on the long box sessions, we have found a way to bring the witch and living deliciously into literally every podcast for the last like what, like three episodes of each. I think I love it. Yeah. Well, well, now that America's kind of let itself go, <laughs> is a right. nice way to put it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, I would just sign on with Black Phillip at this point. I would just live <laughs> deliciously until we're all consumed by uh, the rising sea tides and, you know, whatever. Try to get yeah, some whatever. some yeah, some joy before it's all over. What like, I, obviously, we're not, try we're not trying anymore. We're not 
We're like Lily. We're not trying to make the world a better place. We're all just right. kind of we're not selfishly to grabbing at whatever's we just about t- us. We, we just want to touch the unicorn, get our selfie, and then, you know, yeah. like, you know, then go back to the past and say, oh, man, one time I slept with this farmhand, whatever. I mean, it's not even a big deal. <laughs> if we all just rub this unicorn and put a selfie on and people give us those imaginary internet hearts, our lives aren't sad and we want to hang ourselves. It's great. <laughs> Right, Black yeah. Philip? Yes. Let's <laughs> dance deliciously at wood orgies. Might as well. <laughs> oh, I'm a father with no hope. It's the best thing to be. No. <laughs> um, I actually like the It's Time to Live Deliciously seduction, though. I really like the sea hag. That's one of my all-time favorites. I love the allergen scenery in the woods. Like Those are big standouts for me. I love the way he tries to seduce her because you see that it's almost becomes this thing where you start to wonder how much he's actually doing to seduce her, how much he almost becomes a manifestation of her anyways. Um, She fights against him and hates him because I think it hurts her self-image or her brand, as Instagram people would call themselves. (laughs) Uh, But this is the thing. She sees Jules and immediately runs to them, right? She might have caused the end of the entire world as we know it. Presumably somewhere she has a father and mother, a king and a queen, right. subjects, right? A handmaiden that, you know, primps her hair every day, whatever. They're probably all dead, frozen. She doesn't sure. care, right? She's just right. holding up a necklace, living deliciously. And then well, the that scene was... and the set, the sets in this are so good. The gigantic pillars are just fucking phenomenal. The black feast of all the food is phenomenal. Um, yeah. But the dancing dress you alluded to earlier, it is such a hauntingly gorgeous scene. And, and it's one that takes on a, such a greater significance, right? Because isn't that the one of the best visual images of all of our lives? Just dancing with this horrible dark version of ourselves that we all kind of secretly wish we were. But we kind of maintain. Oh, yeah. Well, bef- before Trump, right? Like now that we're Trump, we're like, ah, fuck it. We're all Black Phillips. But before that, we were pretending, right? We were pretending we were the good princesses when really we wanted to be that Lady Gaga dress. It's a really cool visual scene that you're just like relate to so deeply, I felt like. I mean, what's interesting is I feel like a lot of the time in the movie, they try to paint Lily in this way that's like her getting in that dress and doing the dance and everything. Like They're like trying to paint it as this sort of like seduction of the innocent kind of deal. But I got to be honest, like... Based on what we've talked about, too, like, even in the movie, like, I wrote down, I was like, oh, Lily's into this. Like, I literally wrote, oh, she's so into this. When they started doing that, I'm like, yeah, Come on, no. man. Like, and, I, and I'm with you, and this is the thing. I don't think it's seduction of the innocent either. I'm glad you said that, because to me, you look at it, and it's so gentle. It's a dance, yes. right? It's a very gentle dance, and by the end of the dance, she's enjoying it. She's smiling. So to me, it's not a yeah. seduction of the innocent, but an unleashing of her own inner darkness. Uh, that's yes. what I was struck by, the, the gentility of it, right? She's, they're so gentle with her in this moment. Even the giant prince who's like, you will be with me. We're all animals. We're just afraid. He kind of gets a little Herzog there in a moment, right? Yeah, yeah. Just we're all animals. We're just afraid to admit it, y'all. We're all animals uh, some way. When someone's going Herzog, you know they don't have a great argument. They're just trying to make themselves seem much smarter than you. So he goes a little full (laughs) Herzog, right? But even then, he never lashes out at her. He never grabs her. He kind of yells once. It's kind of this reverse. It's Well, not reverse, but it's an inversion of Beauty and the Beast in that he's the beast, yet she still seems to have all the power. 
right? He's kidnapped her and this and that, but she's just like, no, fuck you. And he's just, like, he's so mad. He has no ability. Because he, yeah, at a point, you're like, why not just lash out and be violent and, you know, all the things you would assume the Dark Prince would do. But he doesn't. He never lays a hand on her. Um, yeah. Just letting her kind of hang herself with her own evil in a weird way. Right. But, yeah, so that's what I mean. I don't I don't think she's innocent. She's she's a fairly interesting and horrible woman character <laughs> for a but fantasy that's film. That's what it, like, that's sort of the thing that's interesting to me about the movie and something I did not obviously pick up on when I was a kid. But when I rewatched it, like, you realize like for something that's like this, like something that should be a fairy tale and like essentially is like a Grimm's fairy tale adapted. There's a lot of darkness in it, but the prevailing darkness of princess Lily is really kind of the thing that like, she is a complicated character. Like she caused all the problems. And yet the entire time in the film, we're supposed to sort of sympathize with her and hope that Jack gets the girl at the end of the movie. It's very strange. Like, I, I did not I found myself much more much more like rooting for Jack to like get rid of darkness or whatever than to get the girl. Like it, I feel like she's just sort of set up as oh, you need a female character to like make this sort of compelling. Like it's such a strange thing because any other well, like if a, she looked classic, any other way. Yeah. It's kind of a classic knight on a quest damsel in distress tower thing, right? But just sure. a, a different version of it. Like you're right, like there are points in the movie, like, even when they have the arrows at her, when she's like, let me kill the unicorn and, you know, Tim Curry. <laughs> you know? And they're about to, like, right. shoot her with an arrow. Uh, what's his name? Guck? Or what's what's the side? Oh, yeah. I was Bell. like, oh, like, Gump was about yeah. to just kill her. I'm like, yeah, just Gump. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, OK, Isaac, you know, Isaac, the preacher <laughs> from the corn. He's like. Take the shot. She's betrayed us. You're like, yeah, fucking murder her. Because you honestly yeah, don't murder know. Her. You feel like she might do something good. But then you're like, she's pretty much never done the right thing the whole movie and seems to be learning no lessons. So you're like, yeah, fucking take the shot. You never once are rooting for her in the whole movie, I found. Which is, it is right. weird. It's a very interesting yeah. thing. In that scene, as we see her embrace her darkness a bit, we get the reveal of Tim Curry's Prince of Darkness, which is just fucking staggering, right? He comes yeah. out of the mirror. There's this great scene when he, she like screams when she sees him, and he bends down. He has this long, flowing cape. Um, yeah. Just fucking beautiful. The makeup work is insane. The teeth, the eyes, the horn. Um, I think it's what's just, amazing it's fucking is... Cra- like, to me, it's I saw that as a young boy, and you're just like, poof, you know, head explodes. Like, holy shit. Yeah. That's what you wish every villain reveal was. It's like that invader. <laughs> well, like you don't put two and two together. Like for, oh, I, for most of the movie, you just don't see Tim Curry. Like, honestly, he's just turning in the performance. Uh, like, and yeah, he's behind prosthetics and everything, but he has a very distinct voice and a very distinct vibe. Like he really does this thing where besides just the makeup, he completely vanishes and becomes this other person. Like, I've always you can always tell when it's Tim Curry. He has a very distinct look and mm-hmm. but also a very distinct like his tone of voice is very particular. Obviously, they modulate it down quite a bit, but he is so good in this movie as just like right. a fucking as just the fucking villain, man. He's great. But see, that's I what plays funny, too, right? Yeah, it's just, it's just one of those. You're like this. This is the alchemy part of it. You're like. There's no exactly. science to it. It's just you see it and your brain immediately says, oh, yeah, that kicks ass. Like you're immediately yeah. like, yes, all of that. 
Uh, you know, That's it's exactly beyond it a metric. It's just pure magic at that point. But yeah, he plays that is this truly the magic. perfect visual monument of evil that yeah. tries to eclipse Lily and let her still pretend she's good. Right? He can't hide that he's such a, a bad guy like she can. Which again, that, right. that's another visual, um, you know, interplay between the characters that I love. Um, they have a, they have some more moments, right? They have a cool, uh, you know, a cool concept. I'll bring light to the darkness. After they yeah. fight the butchers, they find a shaft of light. So they're right. taking they take all these shiny gi- objects, their, what, right? Gi- their giant spatulas and <laughs> set them up so they can do the. <laughs> they're playing game. ultimate frisbee with these giant plates. There's <laughs> <laughs> ultimate frizz for days. You know, they're probably listening. Yeah. That that if that sequence was made by a college student, it'd be them whipping those plates around with some Dave Matthews band playing underneath. <laughs> Ultimate Frizz! <laughs> Defeat the dark, bro! <laughs> you know, Frisbee sound inserts. Jump! Crash! Into me, Frizz. That's actually the full extent of my knowledge of Dave Matthews band, short of his Adam Sandler filmography. But yeah, so the bros, the bros are going to ultimate frizz the light down to defeat darkness, right? right? So then they do that. We see that Lily is not a Judas. She she sets free the unicorn. Still not altruistic. It's still a very selfish, like, where am I going to take selfies move? Uh, yeah, they exactly. jump down. Jack does one of his signature flips. He flips a lot in this movie. He flips down. There's a sword fight. A lot of flips. It's a cool fight, though. It's It's a pretty good fight, all things considered. For being a um, fight one of with my a guy encased in latex, it was pretty great. Right. And the running just seems very hard. And, like, he hits the wall with his horns instead of Jack. But it's cool. Right. He's living deliciously. You can't hate on this character. He's too beautiful. But I love <laughs> the scene of the light coming down and exploding the doors. And Tim Curry yeah. grasping in the infinite void of space, just holding on. Father! Father! And he has these fuck... Dude, his, his pre-death... See, his pre-death monologue is one of my favorites, right? So as he's oh, got this great. unicorn horn in his heart, and he's just, you'll never defeat me. What are you without me? What is the light without right. dark? And he's, you know, just sitting there. Ah! Um, it's just awesome. And then I think his last line is, I'm all of you, which he yeah. is, right? He's telling Lily, like, you're not any better than me, you appropriator. You're the exact same as me, you horrible person. Right. I like that Jack killer, is your baby killer. And Jack kind of just accepts this. He goes, yeah, I know. And then he just like fucking, <laughs> which is great. Like Jack's the most honest character in this entire and starts movie. starts jamming Dave yeah, Matthews. <laughs> He's Jack's like, what a hard like, quest, bro. Let's pass this bowl. Let's pass this bowl and jam. Every, anything that's not on crash, free jam. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Oh, I don't know God. if that was Dave Matthews or Seinfeld. I had to get one more Dave Matthews band burn in. One more Dave Matthews <laughs> joke in there. That was good. I, yeah, I like that. But see, like that's what's really great too about that ending is darkness is right. There's darkness in all of us. It's it's like it's not just light or dark. It's a little bit of both. It's a gray area. So I think what's cool right. is especially when you're a kid and you're seeing that kind of thing. You're seeing a character accept their fate as someone who's not all good and not all bad he's just a person like that's well, that's a really too, fascinating every concept person to has it yeah like jack betrays everything he knows to be true for sex the princess right. is just a horrible person the one dwarfs an alcoholic the other falls asleep in the most critical mission 
the fairy and the swamp hag have this impossible need to be told they're beautiful and kissed upon. Uh, right. you know, even the Prince of Darkness has to woo this lady. Father, I have feelings. <laughs> seems like gun- Father's like. Seems and like then the father the has a weakness of being a bad advice giver. Like, get it, son. There's a scene. Dare I don't know I if this d- is in the director's cut or not. Remember when he's like, just sit in the chair. And the chair is the, the face that we often see accompanied with his father. And the seat's kind yeah. of bubbling. I'm like, oh, my God. Is his dad trying to share the girl? What? That truly is living deliciously. That's the kind of is. shit you normally can only find on the worst sites on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, Gump's the only one who got through this movie as a completely true character. He was like, I don't like anybody. No, Gump's horrible. Because Gump would have killed the champion if for a riddle. <laughs> he's furious when Jack gets the riddle right. He's like, ah, ah. He's rolling around kicking the, the snow. Oh, yeah. he, he, like, he's a riddle murderer. He like started... The best part is he like starts stomping on his fiddle. I'm like, all right, I guess no more fiddle riddles. This is the last of the fiddle riddles. <laughs> and what a weak one to go out on. Fucking bluebells. Jeez. Good lord. Bluebells. You're better than that, Gump. Yeah, I don't I don't quite understand. And then yeah, at the end, we get to the end, right? And Jack's like, I can save her by giving her back her ring. Her wealth, right? Why? So it's almost this symbolism of I'm gonna die. I'm gonna go find her her symbol of wealth, the ring, from the bottom of the, the right. poor people section of town. Give her back her, her wealth so she can leave us all behind to kind of clean up the right. snow and uh, dead frozen corpses of our friends and family here in the, the slum, <laughs> the forest slum. <laughs> She's yeah, there's the no worst, there's man. no Cinderella scene where he's riding off in his glass slipper again, right? <laughs> like, there's no moment right. like that. But they try to snow white it up where he like kisses her and she wakes up. But then, yeah, and then she lays down and she's like, yeah, I like being in the palace and rich. Like, you're just kind of gross. So I'm going to get out of here. And he's like, you know what? That's fine. Like, <laughs> I would have killed it's her. Funny, like, the that's funny. The Snapchat filters like, no! covered your acne so well. I, I didn't notice before. Uh, now I hate it. <laughs> what I would have done is said, all right, you can leave the forest as long as you answer one of these wonderful fiddle riddles back here. And she, you know, she. Oh, you know what? You right. know what they did? How that movie actually ended was kind of like that that crucifixion scene from Narnia, where they definitely oh, yeah. strung her up in the woods, and the two unicorns were the bodyguards for Black Phillip, and they came out, and the whole woods just had their. They all got a shot, right? Like you iced my baby <laughs> to death. They're just spearing the shit out of her, tormenting her corpse. You know, it's a it's a gift. To the I think it'd be much gods. better if all of them just if like everyone in the forest just like walked up and punched her in the stomach once. Like they all like like that's how the movie ended. Like they all lined up. They're like, I'm gonna get a real good. <laughs> just a simple punch. Nothing classy. Yeah, just one punch. <laughs> just a simple punch. No right pageantry. In the no, see, I think what they do is they totally torture her in kind of a wicker man style ceremony, and then she her her sinful blood uh, waters the roots of the new tree of darkness. That's your sequel. Ah, uh, nice. That's your sequel right there. Yeah, and you she's find a, that true. That is the thing that shocked me the most, right? Like, so I hadn't seen this in ever. It's visually still as stunning as I remembered. Um, yeah. It's fun to see Tom Cruise in an early role where he's not doing like the I'm the best actor ever routine. He's very right. subtle in this movie, which is so un Tom Cruise. Um, Lily being so much worse than I remember, Darkness being a little more of a snake oil salesman. Um, yeah. It's just, it was a fun, it was a fun reviewing of a movie that I've always held very dear to my heart. 
I honestly, it's one of those things. It's a movie I see a lot, like, you know, in streaming or anything like that. And I flipped through and I'm like, oh, I should watch that again. And like, I never have. And finally I did. And I was, it was fun to watch it because there is stuff that I remember from when I was a kid that scared the shit out of me, like darkness. And honestly, uh, Meg oh, I mean, you nailed it. Even me. just the goblins. The goblins are scary yeah. as shit looking. Goblins are scary too. But it was great to watch a movie that it was great to watch a movie that I had sort of written off as a kid as like, oh, it's just sort of fantasy. I don't know. It's my thing. And then I watched it again. And I remember I when I was a kid, I always confused it with Willow, which I don't know why. <laughs> They're two completely different right. movies. But they very sort of fall in that fantasies. same like very different <laughs> fantasy movies. But, you know, you get to you get through the movie and again, like it's not it's just such a great like visually amazing, but also like now that I'm older, it's like, wow, there's a lot of gray area in this movie that I don't think anyone was addressing at the time, particularly yeah. with old Instagram princess. Oh, she's the worst. Yeah, it's it's very funny when you're little. It just plays as a, a journey of good and evil. And as yeah. you get older, the lines between the light and the dark blur a lot. And I think that's really fun. I think that's a really fun thing to discover uh, when a movie changes with you right as you get older and you start viewing the characters differently and their world differently that's a that's a really fun experience uh for movie fans right that it's almost becomes a new movie to you which is really fun i like that a lot it made it it made it made it a much more enjoyable experience than i expected i'll say that yeah and this is the thing for those of you who are kind of wondering why is this the choice for the pod goes to hell um, imagine living in the world of the Prince of Darkness, man, the eternal darkness. That is a version of, cause what is hell? It's the furthest place, uh, from God's light. You know what I mean? That's, right. that's what it is according to their own, uh, book of fairy tales. Right. And we're just playing by their rules, man. Uh, yep. to me, this, this is a beautiful, that's the thing. Not all hell is fire and brimstones. A lot of hell is just cold and darkness and the absence of magic. I mean, that's, that's a cool thing. The movie addresses too, that I loved is. What the unicorns are is is some of the last most pure symbols of magic, and yeah, that like when the magic dies, right when the the super rich white girl comes down and takes the magic out of something, that's a bummer, man. <laughs> and we're all worse off when there's less magic in the world. Uh, to me, yeah, this this is a very interesting version of hell. You know, a very, world without I, I light. It, it kind of gets good. back to the Hellraiser thought, right? To some heaven, to some hell. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a really and I, I like the outside of the box pick uh, for a journey to hell. So good who, job. Who fans. This good one? job, Alchemist. Uh, my buddy, Paul Gross. Paul, my buddy, thank Paul you. Gross this submitted good, this. This was a nice yeah, trip down Paul, memory lane. I really enjoyed it. He's a fellow horror movie lover. Uh, great pick. I, I enjoyed rewatching this one a lot. That's it, guys. Share legend with a friend. You guys can Instagram selfie it. Uh, for our young audiences, please don't message me about how little I know about social media and its environment. Uh, stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, as always, rate, review, share with your mm. friends. We appreciate the help. Um, those little please. things mean a lot to a new pod like ours. Uh, that's all I got, man. Thank you so much. For the film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Let's all live deliciously as fuck.